absolute scenes in Lee County, Alabama this weekend. Um, absolute scenes all over the country. Um, elite, elite robbery weekend delivers once again. Big time. Not enough magic to go that way, though. You know, Lee County is notorious for playing up to the part of the team that has actual hopes and potential to win big in the postseason. Um, it just didn't work out in their favor this week, you know. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Um, it's your boy Isaiah Page here. It's your boy Tony Jenkins. All right, and we are here with episode five of House Call. Uh, we took took about a week off. Uh, holiday season, obviously Thanksgiving week. Um, had schedules a little, little out of whack with um, you know, trying to wind wind things down with school and everything coming up. So, trying to pump out as many episodes as we can, but weren't able to get together to to record last weekend but we are back um as we mentioned after just a wonderful wonderful extravagant um amazing i don't even know any uh, however many adjectives you can throw in there uh, amazing robbery weekend just that absolutely delivers every my goodness like so many one score games it's just beautiful football man a lot of personal implications put into these games a lot of traditions um a lot of teams that hey they don't really have anything to lose when it comes to their postseason hopes but you got the opportunity to take one off of your arch enemies so you gotta and it i mean it um it's a week that reminds me how much i i love this sport every year um, it's it's just all the pageantry that's always involved with robbery weekend starting starting with the egg bowl on Thursday night like it doesn't even it's not just a Saturday like it's Thursday through Saturday just pure hatred but just passion for for the game for their schools for their teams for for the dude next to you it's just it is um it's the absolute best. It's the reason why you love this sport. It's the reason you grow up watching this sport if you fell in love with it at a young age. And it, I mean, it's never it's never not delivered. And even on a weekend where maybe the big upset never came, I mean, possibly had one up there in Louisville. Uh, well, you did have one up there in Louisville, but um, and we'll Definitely. talk about it a little bit. But you know, the the huge knockout knockout uh upset never came. Um, but it's still delivered. Um, so. 100%. Like, like we're saying, it's all out of passion and respect for your opponent, for your rivals, to go at them and give them your all, the biggest punch possible, man. So, well, we saw a lot of great football this weekend from Thursday to Saturday. And we can't say that every week, but rivalry, rivalry week and the last week of the regular season, tier, tier, tier. It never fails to answer and fulfill all of our hopes. So, we glad to be back with y'all and deliver y'all this Robbery re- recap, <laughs> recap. My goodness. All right, we sorry about that, everybody. Uh, if you notice like a little cut, well, you're definitely gonna notice a cut in the audio uh, now. But we were having connection issues. Um, but uh, yeah, so great robbery weekend. We're going to um, we're going to recap it all for you today. Um, so start off with. Uh, the game uh, up in up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, absolute classic, great game. Um, another thriller. This game delivers pretty much every year. Um, pure hatred, but you've never seen it necessarily with this. I mean, we've seen it with high stakes before, but I can't remember the stakes ever necessarily being truly this high. 
um in this game. So uh Tone, I'll let you I'll let you lead off this one. Man, the Michigan Ohio State game never really lets anyone down. Um, but like he's saying, these past three years where both of these teams are meeting with Big Ten uh title hopes on the line and CFP title hopes on the line or just appearance hopes at least. Bro, it's 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 been everything that you really could ask for, especially if you're diehard Michigan or Ohio State fans. Um, I had to bring it to attention to one of my dogs. Like, bro, these teams don't see each other as top 10 teams in the country. Like, no matter what, the game holds weight, especially to the people of those fan bases and to the college football world. But with it being two top 10 teams, it's just really but you can't really ask for too much. Like we say, like we hinted at the past two weeks, bro, this is what you call a playoff game within the regular season. And when it comes to Michigan and the way that they were able to walk away from the big house victorious, it really, they really showed me a lot, man. Being able to stick to your style of play, to your culture of football and not be disrupted from that, even though you're playing, one of the best teams in America is a big deal, bro. Like Michigan has made a bold claim to not rely on the vertical offense, but it's not because they can't throw the ball or they can't use passing game. They just want to beat you running the ball. And it's something that they're good at when it comes to their O-line schemes, the blocking schemes. And they have a dominant back in Blake Corm who had, he scored his 22nd touchdown on the season this past Saturday and Donovan Edwards is no slouch. He's a backup that doesn't have to do too much dirty work just because his RB1 or the dude, the guy that's in front of him, gets the job done. And and I'm talking about one-on-one fashion, man. So I, I I thought it was a great and amazing game from J.J. McCarthy, though. Like, people are not going to mention J.J. McCarthy's game. They're not going to mention what he did to help lead the, the Wolverines to victory. But, dog. <laughs> J.J. McCarthy might have had his best game of the season on Saturday, and I'm going to say he did because of the states, like we're saying. He made some crazy throws, whether they were short, whether they were level two or three. He was able to put the ball where it needs to be. Didn't put the ball in danger one time, bro. And he also was able to use his legs to extend some drives, extend some series, uh, or move the chains, bro. And... I think J.J. McCarthy doesn't really have the opportunity to showcase his arm, but with the school that he's at and the offense that he leads, it's run first. And I know people don't want to hear that in 2023, but you can still win the football game running the ball and being dominant and running the ball. So J.J. McCarthy really showed me a lot uh, on Saturday. Um, he He's played great and put up crazy passing numbers in the past when it comes to some of their games, but that's just not his – calling when it comes to the Michigan offense and the interim head coach, bro, he's really making bold statements, not only for his team and not only for the Michigan coaching staff led by Harbaugh, but he's going to have some potential at being a real, a really good head coach one. Yeah. For his own, for his own individual um, coaching career. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely not. And to your point, like, I, I think you, you right on it with the, Michigan is just a team that doesn't want to beat you with the with the vertical passing threat. It's not that they necessarily can't beat you, although that might be a, another conversation. Um, but they they just don't want to. They don't have an and, and they don't need to. Like they, I mean, 
they got the ball back in the fourth quarter against Ohio State, and they ran the ball um, to go down there and put and kick that field goal that ultimately um, put the game away late. And that, I mean, that game, that drive was all running, all rushing yards, like all, or all running plays. Um, I don't, I don't have the the drive sheet right in front of me to know off the top of my head, you know, how many running plays it was or um, how much time they took off the off the clock, but um. It was all it was all running the ball and they I mean they ran it and they ran it effectively. Um yeah. and I mean JJ to your point, like his numbers might not pop off at pop off off the off the stat sheet at you. Um I think he I mean he threw for 148 and a touchdown, um, which I mean, like I said, it's not insane numbers, but he did what he needed to do and he protected the ball. Um, and he made and he made a couple big time throws. That 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 one touchdown throw that he had to uh I believe it was Roman Wilson. Um, he, I mean, that was a dime in coverage. <laughs> that was a dot, tight window, a tight window throw. Um, with I mean, the guy was on, he had a crossing route, guys on his hip pocket, got the linebacker dropping into coverage with his back turned, and he just, I mean, fits it right between both of them where only his guy can get it. Um, so yeah, that was, I mean, that's an impressive, it was an impressive throw, and he, he made a couple big time throws all game. And then, like you said, he extended a few plays with his legs and, um, was really able to hurt Ohio State on a couple of those. Uh, so really, really good game. Um, on the flip side for Ohio State, uh, they, I mean, I didn't think they were necessarily bad offensively. Um, I think they played a really good defense. Um, forced, forced. Really good. Yeah, absolutely. And they forced McCord into that early turnover, uh, the interception by Will Johnson. Um, I think that was either in the first or second quarter. Um and yeah, that 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 really seemed. I mean, that seemed that, that was, was a huge play early on. That was a statement play, though. Right. <laughs> that, was, that was a huge play for the Michigan defense early on, and it seemed like they. I mean, they had their big plays, and they still answered and put up points after that. But um, it, it seemed like from from then on that the Michigan defense just kind of not necessarily imposed their will because like I said they did give up some points but um it, it just seemed like that talent was showing and, and they were starting to do what they've done all year and um I know Marv he he got his but I still think that secondary played a really good game um Will Johnson did get a little the best possible right right like the best you can do against that guy he's he's the best in the country and 100%. I think they played about, I mean, he had 118 yards when he only had five catches. And I think that's the bigger numbers. Like they kind of, I mean, five catches, you kind of were taken out of the game a little bit. Um, you know, if it, you're wanting to get that guy eight to 10 grabs in a game like this, straight up. Okay. So you're game planning to get him him that ball. And on that, on top of that, I mean, Ibuka had three grabs and Kate Stover also had three grabs. Like they, they took those guys, Julian Fleming also with three grabs. They took these guys out of the game. Um, let's see. That's crazy right there. See, I I like what you said about the um, clock management on that last drive in the fourth quarter, though. Bro, crisp, very crisp, very, very crisp clock management, bro. They didn't have to pass the ball one time. Um, It resulted in a field goal. Like, they didn't score, but they finished the game and capped it off with a, a very strong defensive stop. Um, It seemed like Ohio State was about to flip the switch and turn it on just a hey, have a game link drive especially with the offensive weapons that they have like we well like they just spoke on when it comes to marvin harrison uh egg buka caged over top three top five tight end in college football and then even a julian fleming like we hit on 
or Ohio State really gets a lot of love, especially recently, just due to the fact that they bring in some high level recruits. But come on, dog, this is the best of college football. High level recruiting is kind of the bare minimum of what you do as a head coach. Um, but with Ryan Day and the way he used Marvin in this game, maybe an Ohio State fan wants to go back and forth, but we're not here to do that, dog. We're going to just talk about what they put on film. And with Marvin Harrison finishing this Michigan game with only five grabs, that's not necessarily what you're looking for <laughs> when it comes to the end of the day or um, knowing that you lost to Michigan with, I don't want to say, um, your talent not used to the fullest potential or capability within the game. But, bro, Michigan proved itself as a very elite defense from um, defensive line units to linebackers to secondary. But Will Johnson knew he had a big game coming into this. He's a freshman. And all year, his game really hasn't been talked about enough just due to the fact of how good his team is as an overall unit. Like, they're not going to lose. They haven't been predicted or expected to lose any of these games. And if any game you were going to be on the odds of losing to, it was going to be Ohio State. And, bro, when you have really nothing to lose, especially as a pro prospect, a pro ball prospect, you go into this game ready to give your all, ready to earn your stripes, ready to prove to the people who have already proved themselves as worthy to play on Sundays, you not seeing the end of me. And he started the game hot. He had some plays that were kind of controversial when it comes to your coverage tactics. But, bro, when you're guarding the best in America within your league, <laughs> you got to pull out anything you can to take away him from his game or to take him out of the production of his offense, bro. And I'm not here to talk about Kyle McCord. Like, he isn't one of the better quarterbacks in the country. But, dog, you can tell when he's rattled. You can tell when he's kind of flustered. And receivers down. He, he does that a lot when he's rattled. 100%, bro. And like we said, uh, Ekbuka, Amika Ekbuka, he is a very physical, big body receiver. He's fast. Uh, he has good hands. He's physical. He really can run routes on all levels. And early on in the game, you saw him being the feature guy instead of a Marvin Harrison. And that's okay. But he had some drops. And this is just a game where bad reps, you really don't want to have any of them, bro. It's that serious, dog. This is a playoff game. Like we're saying, what you got on the line is the whole season. Well, what you've been working for all year is a chance to see the CFP. And that starts with you winning your conference and your division of the Big Ten it just so happens that them, Michigan, and Penn State are on the same side of the bracket, so you got to go through each other. And that's just that's just the way the Big Ten has it, bro, and that's how they, they've had it. And yesterday, I think Travion Henderson proved that he's better than he's showcased all year, but he's had injury problems. Um, he was a threat when it comes to being a, a passing target out the backfield and also with his legs on the ground. Um, but even then, like we're saying, Michigan did a great job taking away everything that Ryan Day favors to. And when it comes to how they were using who we know is going to be a top three pick in the draft with Marvin Harrison Jr., I just don't see the targets being put in his direction enough, especially with a game like this on the line. And that's just how I feel about it personally. But I can't say that they didn't play a good game at Ohio State <laughs> because that just might be the all that they can give this season. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real. 
Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, I do. So real quick, I wanted before I uh say anything else, I wanted to say I got the drive sheet in front of me. Uh, that fourth quarter drive that uh we were just talking about was a thirteen play drive, nine rushing. Uh, nine nine of those plays were running plays. Um, Michigan got the ball with eight fifty left on the clock and. They kicked a field goal with 150 left on the clock, burned seven minutes of clock. Um went from, went from their own 25-yard line down to the um what 30 30 yard line of Ohio State. So oh, that's huge. Seven yeah. minutes. That's the quarter. <laughs> it's the entire quarter. Not the entire, that's half the quarter. Exactly. Um that that's rare in today's in today's college football. Um and then yeah, I mean they Michigan's defense, I think they they did a good job, like you said, taking away everything. It wasn't just that like they didn't have to sacrifice giving up the run for the pass or sacrifice giving up the pass for the run. Like they, I mean, they kept Henderson. Uh, he ran the ball 19 times for 60 yards um and a touchdown. Uh, they kept like they kept the running game hemmed in, but they also, you know, did what they needed to in the passing game. Uh, when you have a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., you're gonna make a couple plays. Like it, it's bound to happen. Or swimming, right? Like that's those, when you have guys like that, they're gonna make a play eventually. Um, but you know, it was they mainly held them to those big plays. And I think, I mean, that Michigan defense is legit, and I think they showed it. Um, and they they really just they flexed their muscles. I thought on Saturday. So um, moving on from, I guess, the game talk, uh, we were talking before the show about uh, about Ryan Day and all the flack that he's caught um, since losing to 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 Michigan. And uh, I think uh, we're kind of aligned, you know, like obviously losing three games to Michigan in a row. Like when you're when you're a coach at Ohio State, especially after the last 15, 20 years of success that Ohio State has seen in that rivalry, it's kind of like a. That's really the problem. Like a what exactly. Like it's, I mean, you know, it's it's really kind of unprecedented over the last 15, 20 years of Ohio State football to lose to Michigan really at all, let alone three years in a row. Um, so when it happens, you know, you're you're gonna get the kind of discourse around Ryan Day's job that you have. And I I see both sides of it, right? Like I, I'm not gonna lie, like I'm a Ryan Day believer. I I believe in Ryan Day. I don't think like he's he should lose his job in any capacity because like Tony and I were talking about for the game, you fire him. Like, what's your backup plan though? Like, yeah, who do you have to replace him that's going to win now and win bigger and better? That's a hot ax, bro. You don't find Ryan days in the woods. Right. Exactly. Like those, those type of coaches that win at the kind of clip that he's won at don't grow on trees. Um, So like you, I, I don't, I think it would be a very dumb decision to, to fire him. Um, you know, and I, I don't agree with the decision to to even think about letting Ryan Day go. I think his job is safe. I think he's going to win. I think he's still learning how to be a head coach too. Like, I mean, he's still a very young head coach. Like he's still he's still getting better at this every day, just like anybody else is getting better at their job. Um sure so, and but on the flip side of it, like we were saying. I do understand why Ohio State fans would want to call if if you are calling for his job as Ohio State fan because losing losing to certain teams at certain schools gets you fired like it it just historically it does yeah at, at Alabama you get fired if you lose to Auburn too much at Michigan you get fired if you lose to Ohio State too much at Ohio State you get fired if you lose to Michigan too much it is what it is it's the it's the course of history like so it, it 
just because I don't agree with firing him doesn't make it mutually exclusive to me seeing where they're coming from. Yes, like 100%. We understand where the Ohio State fan base is coming from. You're highly passionate about this matchup, just like the team, the players, the coaches, uh, anybody that's on that campus, bro. Um, The fan base, I don't want to say they care more on the right day, but, bro, y'all are fully invested, and that's what the school, the players, the teams, the athletic department respects about y'all. So when you see, uh, like we say in a Ryan Day, losing to Michigan three years in a row after coming out of a time period where Michigan has to scrape a win versus y'all. Like, it's not common. They're not better than us, damn near ever. When it comes to us playing each other at the end of the year, it's just the biggest rivalry that we have. It's It's been bigger than the rivalry game these past three years. And with the stakes, y'all have lost all three. Totally, we get it. We understand. Like I told Zay, what would Alabama – the Crimson Tide, everybody, what would they do if Nick Saban lost to Auburn three years in a row? <laughs> it just wouldn't sit well with anybody. I mean, like you say, you have to have national championship trophies to even give yourself a chance at defending yourself <laughs> when it comes to arguing against losing to some of your arch rivals. It's just not acceptable, especially when the standard that you set, not only for your team, but for each season is we are going to win and we are trying to achieve college football playoff, um, not even hopes, but appearances and college football title first birth. Like I think Ohio State, Ohio State won it back in what 2014, 15 when they played Mariota. But that's the Urban Meyer era, dog. And we caught a player in Michael Thomas who has went to the horseshoe, played in the horseshoe, put work in, I'm talking about blood, sweat, tears in, at the horseshoe, saying, I could never, I can't relate to that. Like, Michigan will always be trash. Michigan go always suck. And that's just how passionate anybody who's ever had a, a foot in the door when it comes to being a part of these rivalries is. And I'm not saying that that's the right thing to say or do, especially when you're an OG to the program and players that play for that program. But, dog, they care that much, whether they are still playing football to this day or whether their cleats have been hung up and they're, they're on the bigger and better things with their life. This game matters that much for the region in America that it's home to, bro. So, Ryan Day, you just got to be a professional and know that you only need to hear the input um, and the opinions of the people that matter to your job <laughs> and to your progress and success as being the head coach of Ohio State. But like we we're saying, I don't agree with him being fired at all. But the fire and heat that he's catching from losing these three big games with the stakes that were on the line, hey, bro, when you're a competitor and when you are a winner, losing is never going to be okay and fun. So to your, your biggest rival, I understand. <laughs> Right, right. No, absolutely. And I think I just think the best way to put it is that it's not so much that I think after Urban Meyer retired and Ryan Day took over that he that he took Ohio State down to Michigan's level as much as it is that Harbaugh finally got Michigan up to Ohio State's level. Like Michigan was always Michigan exactly. Michigan was always a program that um Michigan was always a program that if you give it the right resources, like it, it it can be it's just like Texas A&M like the same thing we've been saying about Texas A&M like if you give it if you find the right 
coach. It has to make the right hire. It has the right resources or enough resources to be good and to be really good and to be on this top level. They just went through a series of bad hires. Like they, they were just bad for a long, for, for a good while. It happens. Like it's happened at a lot of schools. Alabama's seen it. Georgia's seen uh Georgia. I mean, you know, we're seeing that at Georgia right now with Kirby Smart. You know, he's done the same thing. It was a school that, you know, kind of was not in the mud at all, but it wasn't, you know, what it could be. And then you make the right hire, you make that special hire and it turns into what it should be. Right. And and I think Harbaugh finally just got the program to what it should be, to to what it it to its potential, right? And it and yes. it took a minute to get there. It wasn't always like that. He's been there since I think 2015 or 2016. But once again, you know, we keep talking about Kirby Smart. I know he doesn't have the two rings that Kirby does, but um it, it Kirby didn't win those rings overnight. He he won it after, you know, six, seven years of trying at it. Um, you know, so it's just taking it's taking Michigan the same thing. You know, it doesn't always happen in year three like it did for saving at Alabama. And I think that's um, I think that's kind of muddied a lot of people's opinions or even Kirby taking it to taking uh, Georgia to the uh, the college football playoffs national championship game rather in his second year. Like, I think that's muddled a lot of people's opinions on how much time to give a coach. But yeah. some. Um, like you need sometimes you need more than two three years like you know what i mean it's not a, a night term. Well, sometimes bro a lot of times most times you gotta realize when, exactly people have to realize when history is being made bro and you gotta you gotta give respect when respect is due like even when kirby made his first cfp title appearance in his second year we got to give props to Coach and Lincoln Riley, who you you're in the playoff. Your very first year of being a head coach. Right, that doesn't <laughs> happen. That doesn't, it doesn't happen. happen all the time, bro. So to expect that and put that standard over every head coach in America, especially the ones that rep these big branded schools, I'm talking about you're taking over for a school whose brand has been big with with losing a lot of games. Right, right, exactly, and you, exactly. And you're looked at as not not only the savior but the difference maker. So you got to figure out the formula to success for you. And, hey, Michigan, they gave Harbaugh enough respect to do that. So with him reaching a level of, oh, we're going to be successful. Like, I got it figured out. I know that I have the, the players with the culture in the locker room to to keep this stuff moving forward. You got to give him his props, dog. Like, he's, he's created something at Michigan that – we haven't seen before not in our lifetime it's never been like that up there in, in uh not the horseshoe but in the big house it's never been like that so bro uh, like much respect to hardball but also like you're saying when it comes to the ohio state culture we know y'all have been spoiled with winning a lot but trophies are what you want nowadays more than ever and we understand that but give ryan day some time to figure out the the, the real perfect formula because when y'all win or if y'all finally do come to having a Ryan Day trophy, it's going to be well-deserved. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of our thoughts on Ryan Day. Uh, don't uh, just, I don't think there's anything, the, the grass isn't always green. Put it that way. We don't, we don't think there's anything on the, on the, anything good on in door number two. You know, you got Ryan Day behind door number one. You got the unknown yeah. behind two. I would gladly, gladly take my chances with Ryan Day. <laughs> Wait, um, uh, don't play with fire. Don't play with fire. So on to what was probably was definitely the biggest upset of the weekend was uh, Kentucky uh, beat Louisville 
um, in Louisville, in their own stadium, came in, they beat them uh, 38-31. Um, this, I, I wouldn't call it a shocker, um, but it was, I mean, this is a five-loss uh, Kentucky team. Obviously, your, your, um, your record isn't always, you know, who you are. Uh, their losses are Georgia, top ten, to, uh, top five team, top three team, uh, Missouri, top ten team, Tennessee, top twenty five team, Alabama, top ten team, South Carolina, um, right? So like four, I mean, four of those losses are, I mean, you're not, you weren't going to win those games. Uh, so I think this was a game that maybe a lot of people looked over when talking about their, um, when when talking about or looking at potential upsets this weekend, but. If I mean, I don't think it was necessarily a big shock to anyone, which is why um, maybe it wasn't as big of an upset as as we've seen on past robbery weekends. But I do think it I mean, it obviously has big implications moving forward, um, because if if Louisville were to go into um, to the ACC championship game this weekend and beat an undefeated Florida State, they would have had an argument for a playoff spot. But um, and now I'm not saying that they would have gotten it, but they would have had an argument for sure. And, <laughs> I, uh, and they they don't have that argument anymore right uh so um so yeah i mean that's a it, it is a big big um big upset and could have potential implications down the road um but yeah i mean i, I don't think it was a huge necessarily huge shocker to anybody kentucky's not a bad team nah they get a bad rep just for being in the SEC and not being able to compete with the, the teams that are competing for the national title trophy every year. Um, but like we're saying, bro, Stoops, Stoops is a good head coach, bro. And he's been consistent with achieving over 500 results on a, on an annual basis, dog. Um, big time player from this game, Ray Davis, three total touchdowns. So, um, Louisville, I did not expect y'all to cough this game up. <laughs> I did not. But when, when it comes down to the in-state rivals, it, it's a little personal. Um, it's it's more than just traditions on the line, and it's highly passionate. So I, I was kind of glad to see the upset. Um, yeah, I, I always love to see the SEC be in the ACC. Every chance they get, they're going to tell us when they beat us now. So we <laughs> We got to say, hey, there, there y'all go. A good loss. <laughs> oh, and shout, shout out to Ray Davis over um, over 120 total yards, three total touchdowns. So, yep, 100%, man. And Louisville, like, um, quarterback, what, Jake Plummer? Yep, Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer. Bro, Jack Plummer, he's far from a scrub. Um, Thrash and their their running back Jordan, they all can play football, dog, and they really showed me a lot this season because uh, I didn't have what what you call yeah. High. Don't think they were on the top ten team radar. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, like Louisville finished the season well away from outside of this one loss to Kentucky that they just took. They were number. Yeah, bro, come on now. They were on track to be a one loss team. Yeah, I don't think any. I don't think Ray when you. If you were asked to compile a list of your 10 lost teams going into the 2023 college football season, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find many that would have had Louisville on that list. Yeah, I'm not picking Louisville, but like we're saying, bro, um, Jordan finished the season rushing for over 1,000 yards, 13 total touchdowns. Um, 
And I think Thrash was hurt. He was hurt for a good bit of the season. I don't remember he had a club on his hand or, or a wrist injury. Um, I was watching one of their games and he was kind of nursing that. But they still managed to pull out 10 wins, dog. So like, congrats to Louisville. Uh, I hope they I hope they have a successful game versus Florida State in the ACC chip. Yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a fun one. We'll talk about we'll talk about the um We'll talk about championship weekend in a little bit, but um, but yeah, that's gonna be a fun one. So uh shout out to shout out to Kentucky pulling up the upset of the weekend um up there in Louisville. Uh won't spend too much time on that one, but just a quick shout out, shout out to uh Kentucky. Um, so next game we've got on the slate, uh the probably so we just moving from the upset of the weekend to probably the game of the weekend um on the plains. Uh, out there in Lee County, Alabama, um, the Iron Bowl, also known as uh, Alabama survives an absolute thriller, uh, scored on the fourth and 31 with uh, just over 30 seconds left in the game. Um, I think it was like 32 seconds left to be exact. I might be wrong there. Yeah, 32 seconds. Um, so yeah, fourth and 31. You've probably seen it by now, but Jalen Milrow, uh, throws it, throws a dart into the back corner of the end zone to Isaiah Bond for a touchdown. Um, Alabama keeps their season alive, wins the Iron Bowl 27-24 over a um, very bad Auburn team <laughs> um, that just got thrashed by New Mexico State on the Plains. Um, it, it set up a – I'm outside of the fandom, I'm very happy that Alabama won this game because it sets up a, a playoff game in Atlanta uh, for the SEC championship, which is always great for football, you know, for college football. More playoff games you can get – um before the playoffs even happen i mean sign me up for them all so okay obviously alabama loses this weekend in auburn it uh it negates alabama's any any outside hope that alabama has at the playoffs obviously alabama needs a couple teams to lose this weekend in order to get into the playoffs but once again just like louisville had they lost this weekend they wouldn't even have a shot so um this was I mean this was an absolute thriller though I think this is one of the one of the games that you just watch every year that kind of reminds you of how much once again you love college football um it's the the Iron Bowl is just especially especially in Auburn it's just it always delivers the game is always just insanely exciting as we talk we're talking when the show opened uh you know they've got some some type of voodoo Auburn Jesus as they call it over there um but it was uh it was no match for Jalen Milrow, which um if you I I've been one of the biggest Jalen Milrow supporters. I think um anybody that knows me can vouch for that. But um if you would have told me that uh Auburn Jesus wouldn't have gotten to him, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> no, but that's funny though. Oh my goodness. I mean, I was saying early on in the year we might be screwed when we go to Auburn. Um, so uh Jordan here, man. Or Jordan here, like they say, man. Um, but no, this was, I mean, it was just it was a fun game. Uh I I mean, I'm not gonna bore y'all with the fan talk. I'm obviously an Alabama fan, um, but I'm not gonna bore y'all with the fan talk this game outside of outside of Alabama surviving. Um, I mean, there's not really much else to to really say here. Um, just the, but just outside of how much of a good game it was. Um once again, just keeps Alabama's playoff hopes alive. As for Auburn, I mean, um, they're, they they obviously were going to always play up. Uh, I think 
it has been kind of interesting to see how the narrators narrative has kind of flipped just because Auburn did just lose to New Mexico State. Um, but I've seen a lot of a lot of people saying after the game that you know Alabama needs to needs to be either dropped in the rankings or they don't deserve a playoff shot because they struggled with an Auburn team that just lost to New Mexico State at home. But you know, if you look at the schedule and you look at Georgia's trip to Auburn. Um, yeah. Earlier this year, uh, that was also a game that Georgia used the last second touchdown in um, to win the game. Obviously, Alabama's maybe, if you want to call it, a little more lucky. Um, I mean, you can you could say that, but regardless, they still pulled it out in the last second, last few seconds of the game, much like Georgia did. And like that's still the same team, though. You know what I mean? That is still the same Auburn. Georgia played the same Auburn team that Alabama did, but just because it happened after a terrible loss, it, it's you. People are using, um, people are using that to try to justify Alabama's performance, whereas they're using Georgia's performance there to be gritty. And um, I just, I just don't think that's a that's a fair narrative. Um, but I mean, not, that's not at all. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I just I think that's uh, that's using a slippery slope there, and um, I think it was, you know, regardless of how you get it done, a, a road victory and a rivalry and a rivalry game, you'll always take it. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and flaunt like it's a good victory, but I mean, you tell any Alabama fan will tell you that it's anytime you beat Auburn, it's a good victory. So, you know, like we're saying, bro, outside of outside of um the region that these games take place. You really just have to love college football to get the true meaning of all these rivalry games. And like we're saying, no matter what year it is, how high either team is ranked, these teams have this game circled every single year to know that we're going to give our all no matter what, no matter what, dog. Like it, Auburn, every time we go see them in Jordan here, as far as the Georgia Bulldogs, I know that Bama has to see them in Jordan here. And we might not make such a big deal out of this if they didn't have a quote-unquote Auburn Jesus, which if they got an Auburn Jesus, that ain't my Jesus. I'm telling y'all now because <laughs> he ain't never been a fan of my team, my favor, my faith, none of that. <laughs> none of that. <laughs> I'm telling you, he got big, big middle finger over here. So listen, bro, after seeing things like kick sixes and uh why does cam newton go here out of all the teams in america and uh nick marshall led football team beat our teams in miracle or miraculous fashion bro i ain't got to see i ain't got to, i don't have to see that happen for a war eagle or a auburn tiger ever again and it's not that i'm rooting for bama when they go play auburn but i'm damn sure not rooting for auburn to beat bama <laughs> so when I see it, bro, this game, and to all the college football lovers and junkies, diehards, you know that this game is going to be full of big plays um, from, from start to finish. And I, I don't know why it's like that, but Bama and Auburn is a great game every year, dog. <laughs> and uh, like we're saying, if you haven't realized that within the past two, three, four years, you definitely already knew if you have been paying attention from, from the start of your life to now. So with that being said, bro, I just want to shout out the Bama boys who balled. We're going to start with Mr. Number Four. And, yes, Zay has been a pro Milro guy from the beginning. And I, I can't lie to you, our, our whole – when I say house, I mean our college roommate situation, me and my dogs. 
we've been pro. Like, Milro was on the bench when BY was at Bama. We was like, hey, we got Milro gonna be nice. <laughs> like, I don't care, bro. It was a video of him throwing that practice, and we like, oh, that he gonna be somebody problem. I'm not gonna lie, bro. He, like outside of the prototypical size that he has. That speed, bro, those legs, and the ability to still launch the ball with accuracy, Milro is not anywhere near a bad quarterback. And like we saying, or like like the college football world and media has said, he's matured over the course of this season. And he really showed me a lot playing with Auburn the way he toyed with them yesterday because Milro could have very much lost that football game. But – the way he was out there and the composure that he was carrying himself with, it, it, it came with a certain level of confidence. And I don't think anybody on Bama's sideline thought that they were going to lose to Auburn that day, not not the night before, not being down in that game, not ever. But that last drive <laughs> when Milro said, Yo, I'm not going to run this ball. I'm going to throw this ball to Izzo and score. Like, I'm good off running the ball, coach. I'm not about to do that right now. And he still managed to pull it out <laughs> with it being fourth down in the back corner of the end zone. That that was that was everything to me, bro, because it's not anti-Auburn. That's not necessarily what it is. But, hey, like I just stated to y'all, I'm going to clap it up for that. <laughs> I'm going to clap it up for them big plays every time, bro, every time. And it, it was nice to see Milro have his moment of, yeah, like, I just game y'all. I just game time y'all, bro. And I I knew I was gonna do it the whole time. He had over a hundred on the on the uh, ground rushing, um, two fifty nine through the air dog. And uh, shout out Burton and Isaiah Bond with that big play to finish and win the game. Like you can't take it from them boys. They took a W. And like we're saying, when it comes to rivalry games, analytics doesn't necessarily go out the window, but. I'm sorry if y'all can hear that beep, <laughs> but analytics doesn't necessarily go out the window. But, bro, it's a huge, huge, huge difference in rivalry games than the games that are, quote-unquote, must-wins when it comes to the numbers, bro. Like, the numbers that tell you that the better team is always supposed to win the game. <laughs> like, let's just make call it what it is. It's real simple um, when it comes to being on paper. But uh, analytics – don't play football. The numbers don't play football. You got to get up and come to work, um, kind of like the, the guys on Sunday who get paid the big bucks to play football do. And that's the beauty of competition. That's the beauty of football. That's the beauty of 11 men going against 11 men with a coaching staff, a fan base, a school, and more, a whole lot more um, on their side, bro. So I love rugby. Every week, like we say, you got to really be a diehard fan to, to get the most out of it when it comes to each school in America. It's always going to be your school. You're always going to be a fan of your team and your players. But to enjoy the football and, and the meaning of the football around the world, that's everything, bro. I I, I love watching that, that uh, Iron Bowl yesterday, man. It, it was a great football game. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, great game, fun, fun one to watch. Uh, like you say, I mean this, this is called house call, so of course we're gonna show partial to the big plays. Come on, man, we love the big plays, man. We love the big plays. Um, so next up, we've got the Apple Cup, also another thriller, possibly another game of the weekend candidate. Um, Washington hit a game-winning field goal as time expires to win this one um, after a 
ballsy call by uh head coach DeBoer um to to go for it on fourth down and uh their offensive coordinator can't remember his name off the top of my head. We were talking about him earlier. Um definitely but, what was that? I said one second, I I snatch it for you. Uh, yeah, so while you're looking for that, uh, their offensive coordinator uh, dialed up a reverse toss sweep to Rome Adunze, wide receiver one, um, with the game with the game on the line. I mean, there's just there's so many things that can go wrong with that call in that moment, and um, you know they. I mean, he just tr- he trusted his guys, and I think that's always cool when you see a coach, um, you know, kind of able to trust his guys in that situation um you know especially especially in a with a college team um but there's just so many the margin of errors error is just so much bigger with college than it is in pros um, definitely amateur they're not professional as as much as some of them showcase the potential to be a, a great pro a good pro or a pro in general they're not professionals yet you guys Exactly. So there's so many there's so many things that can go wrong in that situation. And he still trusted his guys to pull off a, a play like that in a moment like that. And I mean, like for those of you that weren't watching, they didn't go for this. They didn't go for this on like the um on on like the 40 yard line or their 40 yard line in no man's land. This was like deep in Washington State territory. I want to say like the 35 of Washington State, like Washington State gets the and they don't have any timeout. So if Washington State gets a stop right here. It, the game was over. Washington State was going to be able to kick a field goal probably and go win the game. Um, and effectively, probably in um, Washington season. So, uh, yes, yes, that that controversial, bro. And I'm so glad you're hitting on this because that play call might have been the best play call we saw all Saturday long. <laughs> exactly. It was a big play. And um, so it ended up, uh, I think, a 56 yard run by Roma Dunze to get all the way down into Washington state territory from there, they kind of ran the ball out and kicked a field goal. Um, I thought one thing that stuck out is I think Washington state did a really good job of limiting Washington's offense. Of course, Rome still went for 120 and two touchdowns, which I mean, that's what he does. Once again, like we're talking about with Ohio state, he, uh, when you got a guy like that on the field, he's gonna, he's gonna go make plays. Um, but I mean, I think I think they did a good job of limiting their. I mean, about as good as you can do against an offense that has those vertical threats. I think they did about as good as you can do, um, when it comes to to limiting that offense. Hundred percent. Like Washington State played a great football game, and I know one of their receivers had over a hundred yards. Um, uh, shout out to Josh Kelly. Yeah, man. Was it Josh Josh Kelly that had over a hundred, bro? Yeah, Josh Kelly went for 106. Lincoln Victor went for 11 catches in the game. Bro, see, and Josh Kelly is cold, but Victor was the guy who was all over the field last night. Bro. He was pulling in grabs all over the place. Straight up, bro. I remember during the Oregon game, which Oregon dominated, but he he finished the day with like 11 grabs for 160 yards, bro. And I'm pretty sure he had at least one touchdown. So, like, Washington State, they they have a very popular vertical offense as well, led by Cameron Ward, who me and Zay are big on. Um, incarnate word transfer. He's held the Wazoo quarterback position down for the past two seasons. And, bro, he he's a hell of a quarterback, hell of a college football player, bro. Everybody isn't necessarily going to be meant to play on Sundays or have the prototypical, uh, just beautiful – scouting report 
layout when it comes to their numbers, uh, their offensive scheme, their the players surrounding them, or, or what they bring to the table initially. But what we love on this show when it comes to house call, and even in general, when it comes to Saturday or Sunday ball, because on Friday nights, it's very prevalent. Workers are going to work. <laughs> and when you put the work in, when you love the grind from the fine details to the glitz and the glamour of what comes with being somebody who's good at what they do Straight and no one still maintain yourself, be a leader, be a team player, bro, you're going to be successful. You're going to, you're going to have pro- progress and production that is not necessarily going to be able to get taken away to a certain point or to a, to a certain extent, bro. So hey, this is what you bring to the table. And we love, we love what Cam Ward brings to the table. Uh, they just didn't necessarily have enough to peel away from Washington in that game yesterday. The, the Apple cup was a great football game, man. And um, Jalen Polk, another big time receiver for Washington. He didn't have the best night. He had some, some drops that just weren't really like, any of the film that he's put up this season. And he's, he's had some slow weeks these past few weeks of the season. Um, I'm really just excited to see what Washington is going to put on film in the Pac-12 championship. I want to say Polk had some drops in that Oregon State game too, didn't he? No, that sounds about right, bro. Like Polk hasn't – he he started the season hot, hot. And mm-hmm. even even with – when he started that season in that fashion, it was kind of uh, not a shock to me, but it was Jalen McMillan who's been really hurt all season, who really held down the number two. And the right dude would have told you coming into this season, you can't really call Rome or McMillan a one or two because they're going to get the ball that much within the offense. But McMillan went down and Polk really came to life. And even before McMillan went down, they were all averaging 100 yards to start the first three games receiving. And I was like, bro, you really don't see that every day. So all three of these boys work. Uh, and when it comes to Polk, he's a really, I don't want to say aggressive catcher of the ball, but he's able to locate the ball in very complex ways and, and areas. And he he he's a real big, big time 50-50 ball guy. Uh, he's going to come down with it. Um, his ball skills are crazy. Um Route running wise, I haven't necessarily seen him have to run through a full tree, but he hasn't shown me that he's not capable of doing it. I'm just ready to see him have a better game than he's had the past few weeks. Yeah, nah, it's it did set up a once again set up a um a playoff game this weekend against Oregon. So that's uh, a playoff game. If yeah, you ain't seen it, right, we'll we'll look for them to uh to bounce back this weekend. You know. Um. See. See. It'll. It'll be interesting to see that vertical passing threat versus versus that defense again. Um. That secondary. Oregon secondary was a little banged up. Uh. In their first meeting. So I'm excited to see them. Um. Hopefully back at full strength against uh Washington, who will also hopefully be back at full strength. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So moving down to down to the state of Florida. Uh, might not spend too much time here either, but Florida State gets it done in Gainesville. Um, this was a big win. There's this was a uh, circled. I know it's Florida. I know Florida's got five wins on the year. Florida's not that great of a team. Um, well, I mean, I don't think Florida's a bad team. I think Florida's played a tough schedule. Um, and uh, Florida, I mean, they weren't expected to win this game, but you know, Florida State being with um. 
without Jordan Travis, you know, going on the road. And Florida State's been a little shaky at times this year. Um, it was always it was a very interesting, you know, so just one that was always that was circled on a lot of people's radar. And I mean, I think Florida State handled business like it was close. It was late. But Florida State, I mean, they they kind of took over in the fourth quarter, uh, scored 10 points to Florida zero in the fourth quarter. And I mean, they like I said, that's what that's really where they they won the football game. And that defensive line took over late and didn't allow Florida's offense to move the ball. And I think I mean. I think they they really were able to impose their will for the first time in a while in that second half and late in the fourth quarter against Florida. Um, and I mean, I think they proved what they needed to prove. Yeah, you you got to take these wins when it comes to these rivalry games, man. The swamp is a was what they proved to be a, a dangerous environment for any team, good team, um, team that's trying to fight to prove themselves. Florida brings their A game, especially when they're playing at home. Um, this this hasn't been the best season ever for Florida. Um, but hey, Florida State got out of there with a with a good W, backup quarterback. He 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 manned the team down, bro. He did what he had to do. Um, Trey Benson had a big game. Um, three touchdowns, I believe, rushing. Uh he I don't know if he broke a hundred yards, but I don't think he had to, bro. He's he he was a big red zone threat for them. And Jared Verse, dog, he really was a difference maker this game. Like <laughs> Florida's old line had nothing for Jared Verse, dog. Um, had anything for any of their D linemen, any of them, bro. Like shout out with shout out Jared Verse, shout out Patrick Payton had two sacks. Braden Fisk had a sack. Um, they were, they were all over the place in the backfield. Yeah, they Florida's old line was not prepared to play a D line of that caliber. But like we say, we can't take it from Florida State. They finished the season undefeated. You can't you what what can you say negative about 12 and 0, bro? 12 and 0 is a, a great thing. It's a great, it's a great place to be in. <laughs> what can you say bad about 12 and 0 exactly? No argument there. Um so got a couple other quick hits for you. Uh tone, uh, I don't know what other quick hits you got as well, but just some things I really want to hit on right quick. Um, last civil war, possibly ever, uh, which hurts to say I doubt it'll be ever, ever is a long time. Hopefully, hopefully a long time. I mean, we ever is no crazy. We ain't gonna do no psychological evaluation. Hopefully forever gonna be a long time. Um, and uh, Oregon, I mean, they kind of handled their business as they were probably supposed to do at home against Oregon State. Um, but I mean, nevertheless, you still got to do it. Uh, did what they were supposed to do. Um, but sad that that uh, program is coming to an or that that rivalry is uh, coming to an end for the foreseeable future um, and the Pac-12 in general, uh, which I also wanted to hit on RIP the Pac-12. We had our last Pac-12 after dark meeting ever last uh, night. That's terrible, bro. My goodness. Between UCLA and Cal ended on Dante Moore throwing a Hail Mary down 30 to 7 and he threw it out of the back of the end zone. So. Great way to great way to end Pac-12 after dark. <laughs> um, a uh, so you know, just shout out to the Pac-12, all the memories uh that it's provided over the years. Uh, you know, we just we wanted to pour one out, uh, pour one out for the Pac-12. Um, Oklahoma State punched their ticket to Dallas with the W over BYU. Um. Ali Gordon, which we'll hit on later, absolutely carried. Uh, it was looking kind of shaky there early though. Oklahoma State was struggling very early on. Um, yeah, they were down. They were yeah. down. <laughs> they were down like twenty four to six. Um, yeah, they were down kind of big, bro. <laughs> yeah, but um, 
but they they took they got right back in the uh second half and you know kind of took over and uh once again I think I, they just they just keep sticking it to Oklahoma this year and it's the funniest thing ever like they beat Oklahoma to end their college football playoff hopes um and also to kind of take the driver's seat in the Big 12 championship and then they go lose to UCF and make Oklahoma and start trailing at BYU to make Oklahoma feel like they're going to get into the Big 12 championship just to come all the way back um so they they keep sticking it to Oklahoma which I know Oklahoma State fans probably enjoy so shout out to the Pokes um and then my last my last point here is uh Jaden Daniels effectively ended the Heisman race uh this weekend with his performance at uh against A&M it wasn't like his I mean he didn't have the best week that he's had all all year but um I think he still put away he's over he is now over 3,500 yards and 1,500 rushing yards on the season um the last quarterback is Johnny Manziel um also told Tony he's now the fifth uh quarterback in SEC history to go for 50 total touchdowns in a season the previous four were Tim Tebow Cam Newton uh Joe Burrow and Bryce Young um so you can all tell me what they those uh four guys and Johnny Manziel have in common um and it is the the Heisman Trophy so I think that race is over with um and shout out to Jaden Daniels Oof, man according to house call Jaden Daniels is your next <laughs> hey bro let's get rid of Heisman vote Heisman Heisman committee this is our plea. If we had a Heisman vote, we would Jake Daniels, 100%, man. Shout out, Jaden. Shout, shout out, Jaden, man. It's not to knock anybody else who's put up a crazy year. Um, like, when, when we talk about a Bo Nix, I, I was conversating with somebody a few days or weeks ago, and I was just saying, bro, Dan Lanning, he loves Bo Nix to the point where he has enabled him to stuff this stat sheet with I don't want to say I don't want to say with the win already secured, but bro, Oregon has been beating the absolute mess out of people, <laughs> and the the numbers that Bo Nix gets it isn't to necessarily lead his team to victory after a certain point. And Jalen Daniels has been in a lot of situations this season where these numbers that he's put up are to contribute to winning the football game for his team, <laughs> like. um Without Jaden Daniels at LSU, I can't say that they even win seven games or, or or that they are successful within this season as they've been. So I think that he's been the most valuable player for his team and the success that they were able to put forth. I think Jaden Daniels' numbers are not necessarily able to be argued with. Um, like we're saying, even, even a Bo Nix and a Michael Penix um, any anybody's quarterback, they don't necessarily have better numbers than this cat. He has fifty total touchdowns. What are we talking about? That doesn't happen, bro. Like, bro, you gotta respect work. That don't come out the blue dog. Um, even during the Alabama game in these past few weeks, where I've seen him use his legs, which he has over fifteen hundred rushing yards, and some of your some of some of these people's favorite running back on their favorite team don't have a thousand rushing yards to their name. And he has 1500, bro. He, he, he's been the most dependable and valuable player for LSU. And we just got to clap it up for him, bro. He earned it. <laughs> he earned it. So Jaden Daniels to New York, uh, really sent him over there by himself on a private jet. Just send him by. 
<laughs> don't you send anybody else. <laughs> straight up, straight up. <laughs> you don't get a plane invite. You don't. You don't get a plane ticket for second place. I hate to break it to you. Um, and anybody else going to New York uh, will be there uh, to celebrate second place. Um, so shout out to Jaden Daniels, uh, Tone. That's all I had. Uh, and um, I, I will say I know it's a lot of talk always about the Heisman Trophy, and it it gets compared to the NFL MVP some days. And even when it comes to the NFL MVP, somebody in the NFL analyst world or media world, they will tell you. You can't give the MVP to somebody who's been putting up crazy numbers. They have great wins, but they're not leading their team to a championship level of play. And it's not this is just not the case when it comes down to this Heisman Trophy. Um, when it when it comes to LSU season, they've been the most successful that they've been able to beat. And we're not saying that they're back 20, they're, they're back top 25. It, it, it really doesn't have anything to do with that. But the, the games that he's played in, the plays that he's made, the number that he's put up, he deserves the trophy, bro. Uh, it doesn't matter that LSU is not going to the, the Natty or the CFP or even the SEC title. He's Does deserving of that trophy, bro. <laughs> when does that ever matter? Like, that's been my problem with that whole argument is that, that that's like there we've seen cases like this where that's never matter. And uh, when Manziel won it, I think and them was like eight and three or uh, eight and four, nine and three that season. I mean, yeah, so who's the most Showtime and Magic, bro? Like the Heisman Trophy is about Magic and Showtime. RG three wasn't playing for a national championship when he won it. Like, what what <laughs> do we that, that that doesn't necessarily just because most of the time that the the best player is on the best team. I mean, like, usually that's just how that works. Like, <laughs> let's just be real. If the if a good team has a good player, then guess what? That has the best player, then they're probably the best team. Like, straight up, they're one of the yeah. best teams. Like, Especially when he's the leader. Come on now, exactly, bro. Exactly. So, like, we shouldn't – we don't need to deny him because he's not – top 10 in the college football playoffs. It's not his fault that his defense can't stop a nosebleed. It's not his fault, though. Like, that argument isn't valid with the Heisman Trophy, though. Uh, and even when they, like, I'm not going to get into the NFL MVP talks or anything like that. That, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. Um, but I just want to shout out Liberty um, for having an undefeated season. They finished 12-0, and even though they're at the back of the top 25. It's a big deal to finish 12-0, and man. So, what um, you broke up. Well, you broke up a little bit. Read, say the team name. I don't think they got the team name. Cool, cool. I just want to shout out Liberty, uh, Liberty University, uh, Conference USA team. They finished twelve and zero. Um, going into this last week of the season, I think the CFP rankings had them at twenty five in the country, which is a big deal for Liberty U, bro. Um, but I just want to clap it up for a twelve and zero season. That's not light work, like we just stated about Florida State. No matter what the wins look like or how ugly wins may be at times. Winning is winning, and we're going to clap it up for vic victories, bro, every time. We always clap it up for a W. Clap it up yep. for a big play. We're going to clap it up. No cap. We're going to clap it up for good reps, bro. We love the good reps, man. Straight up. <laughs> and, and, hey, listen, a lot goes into playing these 60-minute contests, bro, from the people who aren't putting jerseys on to the people who are. And uh, we got to respect everything that goes into it from Saturdays to even Sundays. But that's another conversation for another day. It gets a lot more technical on Sunday. 
Exactly. Exactly. So but if you want to be great, you know what you're looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> put that timer in and we're gonna clap it up for you. <laughs> yeah, you gotta put it in if you want to clap so straight up. Straight up. We not fans. We not up. fans. Clap it up for that. Uh but um one thing we will clap it up for is championship weekend. Um two oh. playoffs. Two playoff games coming in, uh, two play two winning your end games, um, maybe three, maybe three winning your end games. Am I tripping? Three winning your end games. What am I talking about? Uh so uh Michigan, um, although Michigan might be in either way. They could ah, no way. No way Michigan's in with a loss for Iowa. For the sake of narratives, we're gonna say Michigan's not in for the with the loss to Iowa. Um, so three winning your end games this weekend between Michigan and Iowa, uh, Texas and Oklahoma State, and um, Florida State, Louisville. Uh, so if all if Florida State, Michigan, and Texas win, I think they're all automatically in. And then you've got two playoff games really between uh, in the Pac-12 and the SEC between Oregon and Washington and Georgia and Alabama. So um, five great uh power five matchups coming our way and then we got of course the group of five um the group of five championships in the conference usa will have as tony was just mentioning liberty who's gone undefeated this year um they're playing new mexico state that'll be on friday actually same day as the pac-12 championship um and then in the mac championship game shout out the last last matchup of the season um on saturday it'd be miami ohio versus toledo um, the Mountain West uh, Championship is UNLV versus Boise State. Uh, that'll also be on Saturday. And then uh, we'll have the AAC, which is SMU versus Tulane. Um, Tulane looking to win the AAC um, for the second straight year. Uh, so that'll be... Wow, Tulane. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they'll, they'll have another AAC championship down at home. So... Um, That'll be a fun one to see. And then App State versus Troy. Troy also looking to go back-to-back -back in the Sun Belt. Shout out to Troy, Alabama, man. Um, Troy playing App State down in Troy. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I have uh, – my entire family is pretty much from about th about 30 minutes outside of Troy. So um, shout out Troy. Got a lot of family that goes down there, lives down there, roots, roots for Troy. Um, so shout out Troy. I'll be rooting for Troy that game. Shout out, Troy. Shout out the Fun Belt, man. Shout out the Fun Belt. Last Fun Belt game of the season. Um, Tony and I went to a Fun Belt game earlier this year. Uh, Georgia State versus Georgia Southern down there in Statesboro. Uh, great time. Great time. Um, Georgia yeah. Southern absolutely dominated state. But, um, you know, shout out Boston Stadium, too. Clap it up for Boston Stadium. Although they got crushed this weekend by App State. I hate, I hate to see and hear that. I hated it. <laughs> I mean, um, but no, fun, fun championship weekend um ahead of us. Just really excited. These these two weekends, rivalry weekend and championship weekend, are two of the better weekends the sport has. It's a shame that we have to wait all the way till the last last two weeks of the season to get them. Um, because what comes with it is also realizing that college football season is pretty much over. Not over. Not pretty much over. Bowl season. We saw bowl season. Bowl season. We saw bowl season is low, but. Bowl season is its own season. So the college football season, as we know it, is coming to an end. And, um, you know, <sighs> it's always an unfair reminder of that. Um, but at least the product, if, if, if you're going to give us that that terrible reminder, at least make the product great. So rivalry weekend delivered. Hopefully championship weekend does the same. Um, can't wait. 
No doubt it will. No doubt. It definitely will reach maximum potential. All these games are going to be great games, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, now I want to move on to some some coaching talk and tone. I don't know if you've uh, checked your phone since we've hopped on, but uh, we are going to break some news here on the pod. Yep. Yes, sir. Mississippi State has found its next head coach um, hiring Oklahoma offensive coordinator Jeff Levy uh, to a five-year deal, uh, reports Pete Thamel. Um, so Mississippi State has its next guy in place, uh, pulling him from the um, Brent Venables coaching tree up there in Oklahoma. Um, I'm going to save my thoughts on that hire, mainly because I just found out about it, so I don't really have any. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, bro, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> But we, 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 I'd be remiss if we didn't mention it since we're talking about coaching hires. What I do have some thoughts on, though, is Michigan State hiring Oregon State's Jonathan Smith um, to be their next head coach. Um, this Michigan State job is a job that a lot of people may have forgotten about just because of how early it came open in the cycle. A job came open back in October, I believe, September, October, um, with the Mel Tucker uh, firing, um, which we won't get into on this Boy, we won't get into we won't get into that on this. Um, we ain't gonna talk about that. If you want to read the details, you go read details on your own. Not a laughing matter. <laughs> Nothing funny about it, really. Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. Um, but Michigan State hiring Oregon State's Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith is a guy that played at Oregon State um back in the early 2000s. He played quarterback. Um, you know, he got his start at Oregon State as a grad assistant, and now he's leaving Oregon State um after building the program over the last five years into what it what's been like. I mean, for Oregon State, they've been really a really good team these last, you know, three, four years, especially starting really in that COVID year with Jamar Jefferson. Um and moving all the way into now and um you know he's had some good teams up there at Oregon State and it really it sucks to see him leave because I know he didn't want to um but when you look at the future of Oregon State's football team and athletic department in general he had no choice and that sucks because Oregon State couldn't really do anything about that they were kind of left left in the in the dust um by you know the rest of the Pac-12 and, you know, he was, I mean, I think, I, who knows what the future is there, right? Like they, I think they're looking at a Mountain West merger or a Mountain West, you know, partnership over the next few years. And, you know, going from the Pac-12 to the Mountain West while everybody's going from the Pac-12 to the Big 10 or the Pac-12 to the Big to the Big 12, um, you, you know, it, it's, you don't want to be stuck in it. Right. Yeah. Like they're they're taking a step back. They're going to be one of the few schools that go from power five to group of five. And I like I don't think that I was telling you, Tom, before the before the show started. I don't think that's happened in our life <laughs> to see the school go. Like, I can't. Not an example I can remember off the top of my head where a school's gone from power five, no matter how what tier they were in the conference or what conference they were in, where they've gone from power five to group of five. I've never seen that before. Not um, one time. Not one time. I I really want to stamp it right now that that's never happened. <laughs> I really want to stamp it. <laughs> I like I'm not gonna stamp it. It might have happened like back in the because like you got some of those teams like excluding like teams like Sewanee yeah, that was part of like the original SEC back in like the 1890s. <laughs> hey, 
if we're not including teams like that, though, like when was the last time this happened? It worked. We might look like complete idiots. Maybe this has happened recently, but nothing that I can think of where exactly. this has happened. A team, you know, just go from power five to group of five. And that is very likely, like not even possible. Like it's likely that it's going to happen to Oregon State. And it just it really sucks to see that because I know I know Jonathan Smith. I mean, this is alma mater we're talking about. Like he doesn't want to leave. He's got the program rolling. He probably hasn't even accomplished what all he's wanted to what he wanted to accomplish at Oregon State. I'm not saying that Michigan State isn't it probably probably isn't a better job than um I'm not saying Michigan State might not be a better job than Oregon State, um, but, you know, that's another conversation for another day. I don't think he really and truly would want to leave if everything would have stayed the same at Oregon State. But seeing that it didn't, he did. And I do think it's a good hire for Michigan State. 100 percent, bro. 100 percent, bro. Like like we were saying, it's not really too many big time coaches that you can hire um, that are in seats around the country at P5 schools who can say that or oh, wherever I got hired to was a promotion. So um, hey, that's really one of the best options that Michigan State had to choose from. I can't argue with it. Like you're saying, though, leaving your alma mater, knowing that you really had unfinished business, but you did all you could, it's not, it's, it's not the best feeling. And I know he probably has a deep attachment to those kids and players who who have played for him over the past two seasons, especially, but man, it's the best business decision that he could make accepting that job. Um, knowing that the rest of the pack 12 is going to the big 10 or like you're saying, or the big 12. So when it comes to his money, his security, this is his best move, bro. I hate to see it, bro, but degrading to, or from P five to mid major, that just isn't the move, bro. And not only because of the athletic department and support you will have as a program, but the kids that you're going to be able to choose from to say, come play for my school or the kids that you're going to want to recruit aren't necessarily going to want to pay you any attention anymore. <laughs> and that's harsh, bro. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, tough situation for Oregon State. Um, I think Michigan State really landed on their feet after that Mel Tucker stuff with this hire. So um, good for them. Um, on to what we thought would be, um, you know, new news on this uh, on this podcast. So apparently, apparently not anymore, but um, Texas A&M hired Mark Stoops and then they didn't hire Mark Stoops and then they hired Mike Elko, um, I think. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Anum. Um, but apparently they were supposed to hire Mark Stoops. Um, and now Mark Stoops isn't taking the job. Um, we will monitor the Mike Elko situation. I don't think anything's set in stone yet. Um, but we're gonna hire we're gonna monitor that situation. Yeah. Um, so we won't necessarily talk about that. But I did have some things to say about Mark Stoops just because of the reaction. Um, the reaction that uh that that was had around the country after that was announced. And I just think it was so so out of line i i i think it was a very casual reaction um th like this is a guy that's won nine to ten games at kentucky consistently you know eight games at kentucky you know like what that's a very a, a basketball school he doesn't have the best resources there like I, people are going to point to his recruiting like he may not be the greatest recruiter but like dog is kentucky i don't know 
I don't know what you expect him to do just because he hasn't recruited and had a top 10 class at Kentucky doesn't mean he can't have one at Texas A&M like those those two things are not are not the same right just like just like he um you know when when you're going to a program like Kentucky or or like Texas A&M you know you're going to be able to recruit at a higher level right so he's recruiting at a high level for Kentucky so that bar is still going to be raised once he gets to A&M you know what I mean? And and I just thought I just, I just thought the reaction was just so so out of pocket. Like he that that dude can coach. And I mean, all of that Stoops family can coach. And um, you know, I th- I think he's a, a wonderful coach. I think Kentucky's Kentucky fans were devastated to see him leave. I, I was I mean, I see Kentucky football fans and, and um Kentucky fans in general, uh, you know, just because we you know, may see a little more SEC content than most being down here in Georgia. And I mean, every every Kentucky fan I saw talking about it understood. I mean, you know, I, I would leave for Texas A&M too. It's not the first time. Bear Bryant did the same thing. Um, he left Kentucky for Texas A&M because they were a basketball school. So like, it, it, I mean, they they understood, they get it, but they were devastated to see him leave because he's a damn good coach. And I mean, yeah. the, the reaction was just it was just so out of left field. Like they just, I mean, it, it was, it was wild. I, I would take a coach like Mark Stoops in a heartbeat. Well, yes. And we're going to flip it back to remind y'all, like they went and got a national title, a national championship winning head coach in a Jimbo Fisher who won and was able to recruit at the place that he came from in Florida state. Um, He came into the building promising, not necessarily goals, but results that, they were going to see in the next near future, next few years after he got the job. And it just didn't get done. Like he brought in a number one recruiting class. But what does that mean if you can't necessarily even secure or clinch a spot to your conference championship game or build a culture that's firm enough to continue to go to continue to move forward year in and year out, bro, with with each recruiting class coming through it and entering the building? Uh, like like Isaiah is saying, Mark Stoops, all of the bad buzz over his name that came out in the past 24 hours, that's very casual, bro. And you can say, nah, it's not. But, bro, Mark Stoops works with what he has in front of him. And like we're saying, Kentucky, yes, it's an SEC school. Yes, he's in the SEC East, but he never, not even by his own athletic department, his own school, or the fan base, he's never been expected to win an SEC championship. They've never put that on his back. They've never put that on his desk. They've never put that on his plate, bro. But he's proved to them that I'm not going to be okay or satisfied with just scraping past 500. I'm not going to be cool with just being mediocre or or good sometimes i want to have a college football team who is present in being a, a winning force on a annual basis and he's showed and proved that he can make things shake with less when it comes to a, a big time program so i don't see how you want to shy away from a mark stoops getting a job at a bigger place with a bigger platform with more resources to go and get better players for his football team and not necessarily win instantly, but create a culture and create a a vibe at that school for its football team that reflects we are here to play physical and successful football, bro. Uh, He hasn't proved to anybody. I mean, anybody that he's going to implement losses or we're going to come here and we're going to lose. 
what what I can't say that Mark Schultz has ever lost big <laughs> like at Kentucky. He's never been necessarily favored to win any crazy big games while having his seat at Kentucky. And he's put NFL players into the league. I'm not here to say that, oh, he's put a number one pick into the NFL, but you don't realize how different a number one or a top 10 pick has is. Has never put top 10 picks into the league. So that's like, not. Come on now. But when when you're not winning conference championships and when you're not going to the postseason with that expectation trickling around your program or even the possibility of it in the air around your program, that doesn't come from your program. So like we're saying, he's made the most out of what Kentucky has had to offer him and being a true coach Calipari basketball school. And he created a, a football culture for the Wildcats that they've been able to kind of be proud of and clap it up for. We're not even going to say kind of. Kentucky, anybody who's a true diehard Kentucky fan will tell you we love Mark Stoops. Right. And come on, bro, straight up. So when you get to a Texas A&M type program, and for him it's an all-business decision because those players know that he loves them. Those players know that he wants to play big-time football as well. But – it's only so much you can do when you hit a, a ceiling with the potential that you have on your roster. And when it comes to college, even like you will see, uh, like you will potentially see as you continue to dive deep into the sport, the coaches who are on staff with the winning coaches, and I mean hardware winning coaches, those are the people who are going to get their next chance or the coaches who prove America wrong when it comes to the expectation over the program. And they finish with winning seasons with, with not necessarily less than another P five or blue blood school, but they don't have as many quote unquote stud or blue chip recruits or prospects on their team, but they have football players because at the end of the day, everybody plays the football. Like we say, the paper doesn't play ball. The coaches, create X's and O's, the coaches create schemes, the coaches coach these players, the players get to execute. The hardest the hardest part about football is preparing to play the game. <laughs> when you get into, into the game, when you get between the lines and across from your opponent, it's straight execution, it's straight reps, it's straight release, bro. And uh, you get to really just spit out everything that's been consumed, bro. And you got a lot of time going into you as a player when, when these coaches sit there and they make their living off of football and you playing it. Yeah. So I don't think Mark Stoops is a bad coaching job or a bad coaching candidate for any big time coaching seat, whether we're talking about a Michigan State, even though they already cleared their mess up, or Texas AM, which you brought in a natty championship coach who who proved to you it's not gonna work. <laughs> it's not going to work. And you bought you've been put in a position to buy him out for more than 70 something million dollars. And we shouldn't be catching a flag from y'all's fan base about picking and choosing who you want to, to be your next head coach because you welcome Jimbo with open arms. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have, but he didn't prove to you, he didn't prove to y'all that he had what it took to compete with a Bama or LSU. Um shoot anybody in the sec at that because on both sides as from the west to the east he hasn't necessarily left his mark anywhere in the sec like the jimbo era at a&m is over and it won't be talked about <laughs> unless it's being talked about in a coming up short fashion you hate to say that but don't down bad another successful head coach because of your i don't want to say neglect 
from the past. But hey, I understand coming up short is not fun. But you don't, you can't, you can't put coming up short the coming up short label on the next man because the dude who was in the seat didn't get it done. <laughs> exactly. That's all I got to say about it, bro. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. So yeah, nah, the crazy, crazy outrage from the AM fan base and um Mark Mark Stoops. Uh Mark Stoops, you get love over here. Just know that we clap it up for you. Um we clap it up for you, bro. Absolutely, absolutely. So speaking of clapping it up, uh, we want to clap it up for our primetime performers of the week. Oh um, yeah. Oh I got, yeah. I've got I know my boy Tony's got a couple, I uh, got a few, uh got a few performers for y'all. I've only got three. Um, so I'll leave, I'll read mine off real quick and then Tony, you got it. Um, so one, I'll, I gotta clap it up for Oklahoma State's Ollie Gordon. Um, Ollie, as mentioned earlier, put the team on his back against BYU to punch Oklahoma State's ticket to Dallas. Um, Ollie Gordon finished the day with 34 carries. Um, just, boy, that's, if you if you've ever played running back, that's a lot of carries, dog. Uh, 34 carries, 166 yards, and five touchdowns. Um, I mean, just dancing in his zone. So team on back, team on back. T-O-B, that's what you call that, straight up. Uh, I mean, 34 carries is a that, – that's – that's you, you toting it. So, uh, Ali Gordon, we clap it up for you. Um, Missouri's Cody Schrader. Yes, sir, uh, this was a game on Friday that was played against Arkansas. Missouri absolutely dog-walked Arkansas. Um, in Fayetteville, Cody Schrader went for 27 carries for 217 yards and a touchdown. Um, he averaged over, he, he carried the ball 27 times, almost 30 times and averaged eight yards per carry. Um, that's, I mean, that's just, that's a primetime performer. If you tell anybody that they're going to carry the ball for 30, 30 times and average eight yards each carry, um, that is what we would call, as Josh Pate calls it, a padlock stat. Game's over. Um, don't even need to come out. So clap it up for Cody Schrader. He's also been balling, um, balling the last few weeks. So uh, big clap it up for Cody Schrader. Low key, I mean, low key. Big I, clap it up. He's a ball player, though. He's a ball player, <laughs> and he was a walk on. He 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 didn't he didn't get all the five star love coming out of high school and and from fourteen on up like some some blue chips get. He got it out the mud. He got it out the mud. Exactly. So um last uh last primetime performer performers rather of the week. Um shout out to Arizona's Noah Fafita and Tatero McMillan. Um I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name, honestly. I'm not gonna lie, I might have butchered that. I might have butchered that. Call him T. Call him T over here. Call him T Mac. Yeah, we're gonna call him. Yes, uh, uh Fafita threw for five twenty-seven and five touchdowns. first off. Um, airing it out on Arizona on Arizona State, who um Arizona was up 30, uh 38 to 7, 35 to 7 at halftime. I think it was 38 7 at halftime. Um, and I think they they won the game 55 to 17. Um, McMillan had 11 catches for 266 yards and a touchdown. Um, Arizona also oh. had an uh, two other guys go over um go over 100 so i mean just airing it out all over the place on arizona state um showing no mercy arizona uh arizona took their 2020 loss in which they lost the game 70 to 7 personally 
Um, they felt like Arizona State kind of disrespected them, tried to run up the score a little bit, and they did not forget it. So uh, shout out to Arizona. Um, shout out to Jed Fish. A great season at Arizona. Finished that team. That team legitimately looks like a top top 15, top 10 team, which they are a top 15 team right now. They look like a legit top 10 team uh top 10 team right now so uh playing great ball and um shout out to shout out to the wildcats man yeah man that was a oh my goodness field day football from the arizona wildcats man <laughs> field day anytime i see a receiver with over 200 yards to his name bro you stamp you're you're a route runner you like to you like to play football Bro, dog. Um, when it comes to my prime time performance, I got a long list, y'all. I don't want to bore y'all, but hey, if you're here and you're listening now, we welcome you. Open arms, so get ready to hear it. Get ready to hear it, man. We right. we gonna start with exactly, man. We're gonna start with Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen. And coming into the season, I would have told you that Braylon was probably top five when it comes to the backs in college football. If you see this cat, bro, you like, oh no, nah, he's serious. <laughs> Off top. I test. He's serious, bro. And it's not too like you got a lot of you got a lot of kids who are physically dominant, uh, especially when they play the sport in game of football. But when you see this cat and you understand he's a running back, it's it's a little different, man. Um, he led the way in Wisconsin's win over Minnesota, a 28-14 win. He had 26 carries, um, 165 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Bell cow back, man. He he he's you hate to you hate to compare everybody who is big and can run to Derrick Henry, but just because of the force and and the production that he left in the NFL and that he's still kind of putting up to this day, you got to give him his respect. So shout out Braylon Allen, man. I'm gonna take it to the Big Twelve. West Virginia has a quarterback who really is a producer, bro. He he plays football. I've been paying attention to their games all season this this cat's dual threat he he gets it on the ground he gets it through the air and they they played Baylor this weekend he led them to victory with completing 16 passes of 25 for 261 yards um and he had 14 carries on the ground for 103 yards like bro four total touchdowns two rushing two passing he's a ball player um Garrett Green shout out Garrett Green man um we're gonna take it to uh, Manhattan Kansas where Kansas State played Iowa State in the snow. Like, this was some real video game type football, dog. No. If you would bro, if you would have saw any footage from this game, you would have been like, no way they out there playing football in that. This looked like Green Bay. This looked like Orchard Park. I'm not <laughs> like, bro, pretty. It was snowy, boy. <laughs> But it was coming down. It was coming down in Kansas. And I'm not – we're from Georgia. I'm not familiar with the middle of this country, like when it comes to a Kansas, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. But it, I don't know. Why does it get so cold around there, bro? Like, what's that to you? <laughs> y'all not up north, north. I mean, I get it. might get a little cold, but dang. Yeah, y'all, y'all are not – that's not Chicago. That's not Chicago. It's not Montana. Bro, y'all, y'all are – Ann Arbor, dog. Bro, come on now. Y'all got a completely different world out there than we have down south. Like, it kind of get cold. 40 degrees is, is pushing it to us. And yeah. anything below that is crazy cold. They got snow now, and then they got to worry about tornadoes in about six months. What are we? Nah, dog. I'm not it, that ain't cool. Some, it's something in the air where y'all at, man. I'm telling you now, that ain't it, man. <laughs> but hey, back, back to the contest. 
Iowa State's quarterback, Rocco Becht, he put up 230 passing yards, but it's crazy. Like, most of the time, 230, maybe on, what, 20 completions? Nah, eight, bro. So it's not, not always about airing the ball out and throwing all over a team's defense, but when you make your plays count, big plays are big plays. So eight eight completions for 230 yards, three touchdowns through the air. Iowa State's running back, Abu Samu, the third. He ran for 16 carries, 276 yards on the ground, you guys, and three tugs. Like, this this was – when you see the weather, you're going to have to physically dominate. <laughs> so, running the ball is going to be a given when the snow is building up to inches on the on the turf, on the field, bro. And Iowa, Iowa had everything they needed to get the victory that day, bro. And we're going to finish with receiver Jalen No. Um, I – Iowa receiver, or Iowa State receiver had three catches for 160 yards. Like I say, it's not always about bringing in 15 grabs, which we can't argue with it. We never gonna argue with 15 grabs because you you are a productive presence. No matter what, they can't stop you. But three catches for 160, you you missed their big player today, and he had two touchdowns to go with it, bro. So I, I want to shout out Iowa for getting the win over Kansas State in Manhattan in the snow. Um, we're gonna take it to Raleigh, North Carolina, where NC State quarterback Brennan Armstrong. I I couldn't have told you like I couldn't have told you that NC State would have started the season and finished nine and three. But bro, between them, North Carolina and Clemson and maybe Duke, they're the best football team in the Carolinas. How what sense does that make? And you damn sure can add University of South Carolina in that conversation. What sense does that make? So, I mean, I got to give props what props do. Brendan Armstrong put up 334 passing yards on 22 completions out of 31 attempts, bro, with three touchdowns through the air. Kevin Concepcion, bro, he led the Wolfpack in rushing and receiving. On the ground, he had 11 carries with 55 yards through the air, seven catches, 131 yards, and two TDs, bro. Um, 39-20 win over Drake May, who is going to to be a great NFL quarterback and the North Carolina Tar Heels, bro. I couldn't have predicted that anybody was supposed to be better than North Carolina in the ACC really this year. But, hey, that's why you got to love this college football stuff, man. And no, I'm not done, bro. I got I really could go all day, but I got a few more for y'all. <laughs> Notre Dame running back. And if you know me, I refer to Mr. Audrey Estime as Tree Stump back. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Tree Stump, like my goodness, <laughs> bro, is a force, dog, and you can't really argue with him. This is somebody who is gonna excel in getting you three, four carries in the NFL. Like he's that strong, he's that powerful when he gets the ball in his hands. He's not supposed to be breaking four hundred yard runs. He doesn't have track speed, but that strength, that power, dog, he, he he's a presence, man, and. And Notre Dame's win over Stanford, I'm talking about blowout win. It was not like it was not going to be a win for Notre Dame. Um, he had 25 carries for 230 rushing yards and four touchdowns. So, like, he – team on back, bro. Team on back estimate. Shoot, yeah, he carrying Notre Dame to victories single-handedly. Um, respect, man. Got to get props where props do. We're going to take it to the swamp, man. Florida State's running back Trey Benson. 
He put up 19 carries, 95 yards, scored all three touchdowns for the nose, man. Um, so you can't really argue with it, bro. Um, Trey Benson has been a presence every game this season when they've had quarterback issues or trouble getting the ball to their vertical targets. He's always came through. He's had a 200 yard rushing game this season. I think, and I just want to shout out Jared Verse as well. Uh, Mel Kiper loves Jared Verse. Big on to start the season, he was the number one edge rusher in college football. And I don't think anything's changed. He had 2.5 sacks and three tackles for loss versus the Florida Gators. And like, if you watch the game, number five on Florida State's defense was all over the place. But like we stated earlier, their whole defensive line had a had a field day against Florida's O line, man. And uh, um, really outside of that, I just got to shout out Washington Washington Huskies receiver Rome Odunze, man. Rome is a ball player, dog. Um, there's not too many receivers in college football who can mess with Rome when it comes to his hands. I'm talking about late hands. Um, when it comes to being a professional or trying to be a potential pro at the collegiate level, I hate to relate it to high school ball, but it's true, bro. When you have somebody who is going to be successful on the next level, while they're still at their level of amateurism or the level prior to leveling up, they and the the brand of which they play their game is kind of at a different pace than everybody else's. You don't want to say different speed because football is fast. But no matter what, the fashion of how they play their game and execute each rep and each part of each rep, it really puts their game and the work that they put into the game on blast. And from quick releases to getting in and out of breaks to being able to high point football, Romo Dunza is an elite receiver talent, bro. Um, it's gonna it's it's hard for anybody to be a bigger NFL prospect than Marvin Harrison with what he puts on paper and what with the eye test that he brings to the table. And you cannot argue with one part of Marvin's game. <laughs> you cannot argue with any of it from all level routes to releases to uh, being able to read a defense, find holes in the defense to sit routes down. He got it all in hands. And, and ball control and catch radius, the whole nine yards. We can go all day, bro. I love receiver. I love the position. I love that. <laughs> but anyways, bro, Rome posted seven catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns, and really sealed the deal to winning the Apple Cup. He didn't kick the field goal, but that fourth down call was so controversial. But I wanted to shout out Coach Kalen and their offensive coordinator. I got his name, Zay, Ryan Grubbs. I, um, I'm pretty sure Coach – Ryan. Yep, Coach Ryan Grubb, man. Ball, ballsy play call, but hey, what we like to say, will you perform when there's money right in front of you? <laughs> and you got you got to take your money, bro. So I, I know it's definitely some more big-time numbers put up. Um, off my head, I know a, a guy like Troy Franklin definitely had a big game <laughs> this past weekend. But um, I'm going to just leave it at that, and I'm ready to have some primetime performance from this championship, conference championship weekend. And I'm going to leave it at that when it comes to the rivalry week, man. It was a great ball all across the board. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, we're ready to hand out some more Clap It Up awards. Um, no cap. So, uh, so um, we'll be back uh, later on this week with a um, – with 
a preview of championship weekend. Um, got a great conference championship weekend ahead of us. Can't wait, like we were saying earlier. So we'll preview that later on for you. And, um, you know, we'll see see where the week takes us. So uh, excited. Really appreciate y'all for listening. Um, shout out to Rivalry Weekend and uh, really excited for the upcoming slate this, uh, this upcoming Saturday. Yes, sir, man. Shout yes, out sir, to all sir. the household people, man. We will be back very Absolutely. soon with conference championship prediction. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So we'll, we will uh, catch y'all later. Y'all have a great start to y'all's week. Um, and we appreciate y'all. Yes, sir. Y'all hold it down. Love.